Hello and welcome to the second episode of Perth Paisley at the Euros. Scotland have lost their opening match of Euro 2020 at Hampden Park to the Czech Republic and I, Adam Kennedy, is half of the duo dissecting the defeat to the Czechs alongside a young man who appears to have put his brief Scotland supporting stint to bed already, Daniel McIver. Daniel, how are you? Hello. Yeah, that's it. I'm back to purely following the club football. There was 23 years of my life was just club football. A nice little kind of four-month period. And then after 48 minutes, that died. So I'm doing great. How are you? Oh, fantastic, mate. I mean, just sums it all up, doesn't it? I mean, it's it seems as though the build-up was kind of better than when Scotland actually arrived at the tournament. It's getting to the stage now where... I'm sort of missing, like, I don't know, I'm missing a summer without any real commitment football-wise. It's quite fun getting to choose kind of who you're supporting, isn't it? Yep, absolutely. (laughs) Of course, before we chat about Scotland and what went on elsewhere in Group D, the rest of the tournament, I'm assuming that you'll echo this exact message, Daniel, but I would like to express my personal relief and our relief, I suppose, that... Uh, Denmark midfielder uh, Christian Eriksen appears to be in a, a stable condition. Of course, Saturday night um, it became you know global news when the world's watching that the Inter Milan midfielder appeared to have a, a cardiac arrest in Denmark's Group B match against Finland uh, in Copenhagen. Listen, it's a massive credit, I think, to the Danish team, um, Anthony Taylor, the referee, and I'm going to say Simon Kier in particular, who... Mm-hmm. Sort of looked to have cleared Ericsson's airways, who appeared to know what to do in order to ensure that Ericsson left the stadium and, and gave himself the best fighting chance of surviving. So he appears to be in a stable condition now. Hopefully he's on the mend, um, and I'd like to wish him all the best. I'm assuming you're in that exact same boat, mate. Yeah, of course. It was easily the most traumatic thing I've ever seen in my life. Um I, I've been in a slightly similar situation to that myself in terms of I've had to look after someone like that and it's scary, it's it's not fun um, but as you said perfectly a credit needs to be to the Danish team specifically Kier uh, but also the team as a whole for surrounding them Andy Taylor for being so calm and knowing what to do and above all the medical staff that in a year where we shouldn't have to be told how incredible medical personnel are, it was just another example of these people who went from watching a game of football into legitimately life-saving mode within a few seconds, and they do that every day and don't get the same level of praise and wages that they deserve to. So hopefully it is another example of just look at how incredible this situation is from an awful one and exactly the same as you delighted to hear he's in a stable condition wish him all the best and hopefully we can get kind of down to the reasoning behind it as well so that he's safe moving forward well said mate i couldn't have put it any better myself i mean of course this did happen at the euro 2020 tournament um, if we're trying to put a positive spin on things, what have you made of the tournament so far? Because obviously, on the day of recording, it, it wasn't great. But prior to today, what's what's your thoughts with regards to the tournament so far? Because it certainly seems enthralling, to say the least. 
yeah, it's been fun. Obviously, barring the awful Ericsson incident and then barring what we've just sat through today, I, I actually have really enjoyed it. That A lot of the games have kind of followed a pattern, which is quite interesting considering it's a vast array of teams, but a lot of the first half, there's not been as much goal action, and then in the second half, it's all kind of kicked off. But there's been some great games, some great narratives already, um, with kind of North Macedonia drawing with Austria for so long, the kind of the Welsh thing, are they going to be able to replicate what they did last time? Uh, the, as we sit here to record last night's Holland-Ukraine game, which is definitely so far game of the tournament, that was yeah, incredible. Yeah, that was insane. That was brilliant. Just unbelievable. And it, it's always just fun, like, international tournaments, whilst I, I made it clear last episode, and as you hinted at at the start of this, I'm not a lover of international football generally, but I actually do always like international tournaments, particularly also, as you said, when I don't have, when my nation aren't there, because I often pick Germany, Germany are kind of my other international team, so looking forward to seeing them tomorrow night, but it's all just random stories and narratives appear out of nowhere in international tournaments that don't often happen at club level, so, so far, definitely enjoying it, I will say, I had, up until the end of the Scotland game, I had watched every single second of the Euros so far. Um, but as we'll get into, I didn't watch the end of the Scotland game and I was so angry that I didn't see any of the Poland game. And as we're recording, it's Spain-Sweden. So today's <laughs> not been the best day in terms of minutes watched. But overall, really enjoying it. What about you? No, Dad, I'm in that exact same boat. I think... What you were kind of touching on with the lack of first half, you know, goals. Do you think that's just down to sort of, I don't know, I feel as though debuts in tournaments are kind of always a bit tetchy on a knife edge. I don't yeah. think there's anybody really goes out to win the game. You know, everybody's so focused on not losing. And obviously we'll touch on that later on. I don't think, it, nobody seems to really implement kind of an attacking game plan to give themselves that best possible springboard I guess you could say do you think that's a fair comment definitely and I think that's why Holland Ukraine was such an exciting game because from the off it was like a basketball game it was just end to end because it was the first game we've seen this tournament where both sides just went nah we want to win this immediately and get this done early so it just created a, a really interesting dichotomy but for example the first game of the tournament Italy Turkey Italy were really pressing but Turkey were very well regimented in that first half really sat in did their jobs perfectly so from the outside you'd go oh god that first half was quite boring but it, it wasn't Turkey really did nothing it. did they, they it, yeah it was exactly. literally so defensive I think it was just a kind of get to half time nil nil and we'll see what happens absolutely but then you got games such as Holland Ukraine and I'm not sure obviously we will find out as we're recording this what the Spain Sweden game is going to be like if they'll enact the kind of just we just need to get this done early and they're always the better game to watch it and that was proven last night with the insane five goal thriller no definitely and uh, you also touched on kind of the narratives I love the fact that North Macedonia have obviously now made their tournament debut and I think Goran Pandev is 37 years old, so he's their yep. youngest ever goal scorer at a major tournament. I just yeah, <laughs> that's amazing. I love it so much, and because I've got in like a family sweepstake, one of my four teams are North Macedonia, so I am fully on the Goran Pandev bus. <laughs> Who else you got? I've got Wales, right? Czech Republic, 
and Scotland. Oh my word. <laughs> it's a fantastic group. Can I just say, just this is a little bit of information. My sister has France, Germany and Spain. You're joking. If she doesn't win it, there's something wrong. <laughs> exactly. So that's fair. That's an absolute disgrace. And you've been given what? Wales, Scotland and North Macedonia. Yep. Grief. Um, I'm just trying to think of other sweepstakes. I got Croatia in the talk Scottish football one. Mm-hmm. So not the best start. Nope. <laughs> um, and who did I get? Oh, the, the one with the boys. I actually got Finland. So I was... Oh. En- encouraged by their start, obviously, but that just obviously that that game initially as it was being played was just grim. Um, yeah. But but obviously, I mean, I, going back to it, do you really believe that they sort of wanted to play that? I no, don't, it's come I don't out today. Impression. It's come out today. Casper Schmeichel and Martin Braithwaite have both said that they were threatened with a three 0 automatic loss if it. they didn't play. And both Martin and Casper said that they weren't in the right frame of mind, but they just went with the, oh, right, okay, fine, we'll We're play just it. have to crack on. Yeah, Peter Schmeichel, of course, Casper's dad, also said that they were initially presented with options, either you go out now or you play at 12 o'clock tomorrow morning, um, which again is just ridiculous. Just to reiterate that, that um, there is a protocol currently in place for covid that you have up to 48 hours to play a game if your squad suddenly gets decimated by COVID. But that kind of leeway was not afforded to the Danish players, which just makes no fucking sense. But for all the love and support in the world to them for actually being able to go out there and play 50-ish minutes of football after what they went through. Definitely. Um I mean, of course, elsewhere in, in Scotland's group, before we do touch on uh, the game today, um, England got the better of Croatia by a, a goal to nil at Wembley, courtesy of a Raheem Sterling strike. Um, did you watch it? Because yes. I'm not going to lie. I mean, I'd had a couple. I was genuinely just about snoozing watching it. I thought that Croatia were terrible. I thought England deserved their win, but... It was, I mean, considering that was you know a, a previous World Cup semi final against two of the perceived better teams, certainly the two best teams in the group, you would say. I just thought it was very underwhelming. I, I mean, England just looked like the club side that we cover on here. The, it, how many times have I spoken about Hearts just having possession for possession's sake and sort of passing with little intention and. Obviously, eventually they were waiting on that decisive moment that came from Calvin Phillips, but other than that, it's very, very poor. Yeah, um, up until this point, as I said, we I didn't watch the Poland game and we're currently not watching the Spain game, but for my money, it was it's so far been the worst game of the tournament. Um, Croatia, as you said, looked just dreadful. They looked completely devoid of all ideas. They didn't really know what to do, didn't know how to break England down, and... England started very well. England's kind of 10, 15, 20-minute opening was was very good. They looked very good going forward. However, they haven't been tested at all at the back, and whenever they slightly did, they looked very shaky. Trippier playing out of position. Pickford's an awful goalkeeper, and I know people say you're biased because Newcastle are your English team. And he's like a Sunderland hero and stuff like that. No, right? he's mince, mate. He's awful. But he's awful. And often people go, well, yeah, listen, 
his shot stopping isn't that good, but his distribution's good. Yesterday, I don't think he completed a pass with his clearances. And it's funny you touched on Trippier as well, because, I mean, Ben Chilwell and Luke Shaw must be looking at Gareth Southgate thinking, what on earth have either of us got to do to start? They were literally the two left-backs who played for their respective clubs in each club European final. <laughs> it's, it's like, it baffles And me. obviously, and Trippier listen, I know, has won the league. Yeah, I was Trippier about to say, league, atle- but he's out of Atleti position. won the league, but there's no justification for playing him at left-back. It's as though Gareth Southgate is kind of using the initial criticism of four right backs in the squad mm. to, to play him and just go oh well look we've got some versatility here despite the fact that you've got two natural left backs kind of elsewhere but do you want to know the worst part of it though go on I looked at that 90 minutes and went they're both beatable if we get a result we can put ourselves in a fantastic position no you're right and of course Perth to Paisley is a, a predominantly Heart and Midlothian focused podcast but seeing as we're both Scottish support the national team, we're here to talk about Scotland's first match at a major tournament since their 3-0 defeat to Morocco in San Etienne at the 1998 World Cup um, Shall we run through the team because it was pretty yes. surprising So, starting for the Scots at Hamden, it was David Marshall in goal, a back you know, three stroke five of Stephen O'Donnell at right wing back, centre half trio of Jack Hendry, Liam Cooper, and Grant Hanley, with the skipper Andy Robertson at left wing back, midfield trio of John McGinn, Scott McTominay, and Stuart Armstrong, with Ryan Christie supporting Lyndon Dykes up front. How surprised were you by that surprising uh, by that starting eleven? Sorry. Right, I, I said this to Adam before we came on the air that the joke of this podcast if you're not a regular listener is that Adam's the really emotional one whereas I'm the more pragmatic one and tries to kind of see the bigger picture I'm not that just now I'm pretty angry right and part of that anger in fact a lot of that anger is this starting 11 if you want to ask how surprised I was very but at the back of my mind, not at all. So, obviously, we'll get into it, but the biggest miss was Kieran Tierney, who I am saying right now will not play a minute at this tournament. I don't think he's fit. He's wow. clearly picked up an injury in training, as Clark said. Both before the game and after the game, Clark was so cagey with uh, the answers he gave when asked about Kieran. Well, can I just say, would you not rather he miss the perceived would you not rather he missed this game against the perceived weakest side to be fit for the strongest two or does that not matter generally yes but not but no personally because I think this was the game we had to win above and it's all. imperative we get off to a good start and whatever yeah yeah and he's our best player you, but, you have said he's he's uh, he's definitely our best defender, best player. I think is debatable, but he's he's certainly up there. We definitely think he's him today. A, the reason I think he's our best player is because our entire system revolves around him. So, obviously, there's been the conundrum for kind of the past wee while. How do you get Robertson and Tierney in the same team? And we've actually found it. Like we've worked it out. Tierney is that left centre half of the three, but he almost plays like a wing back. It's really weird. People who don't watch Scotland won't really know it or understand it. 
but it works. And as a result, Tierney goes wide, which drags defenders out, which allows Robertson to cut in, almost taking the place of Tierney, so defenders come across there, which allows space for the midfield three, which they come across, and then that leaves whoever the striker is on the right-hand side almost free. It works. It's a system that has benefited us. Arguably, it is the system that got us to this tournament. It's like you say, he's the best overlapping centre-half in the world. Yes, exactly, exactly. And no one else in our team can do that. That is not a criticism of the players in our team, like the other centre-halves. I'm not criticising them for that. I'm just saying, bluntly, if we don't have Kieran, we can't play the way that we want to play. So, when you see... I actually saw it through Craig Fowler... Um, who had tweeted it about five minutes before the, tw- the team went live. That was obviously a massive surprise in the moment, but you go, well, listen, you can't... There's nothing we can do about that. It's not Steve Clark's fault that Guillotini's hurt. You just have to make the most of it. I actually think Liam Cooper was fine. He obviously came in as the replacement. I think he's fine. He's done very well at Leeds. He's a very capable centre-half. He's, no mu- he's not mug, is he? Because that, no. that Leeds United team, I mean, he's their skipper. So exactly, it speaks he's... volumes about the, the player that he is. I, I actually thought he was certainly, yeah. He it, it was, it was decent. I was going to say the best centre-half, but I actually thought Grant Hanley had a really good game as well. Up, we'll until, up until the goal. We'll get into that. Um... But yeah, listen, Liam Cooper was fine, but he can't play that position that Tierney does. But that that's by the by. What isn't by the by, and what you can blame Steve Clark for, is the rest of that selection. Because we said it kind of at the time, and everybody said it, as soon as you saw that lineup, you went, we are playing for a draw at most here. We're not going to try and win. We're going to try and not lose. And when we have played all of qualifying in terms of World Cups, the World Cup qualifying process with Shea Adams coming in and the friendlies, we've we've played with two up top. Dykes and Adams has have played up top. I don't. Go on. I just don't understand why we changed that. I understand the loyalty aspect, but I think that's Clark's biggest downfall. We'll go more into individuals later. But for me, that lineup is testament to Steve Clark's loyalty, and that is that's killed us at this tournament. See, that I agree with, but I. It's going back to sort of what I was saying earlier. I, I don't feel as though it was to kind of claim a draw max. I think initially when I was looking at the team, I was thinking. I'm not all that surprised to see Ryan Christie support Dykes because he loves sort of this 3-5-1-1 that isn't really a, a two up front. He, he does sort of like Christie, you it know. did play as a two though. Kind of Roman. I that no, of course. Well. I was like, all right, okay, Christie has worked in behind because obviously that Serbia game, he did yeah, yeah. that. But then, and listen, this might just be me, you might disagree. I just felt looking at it that they were playing on equal footing. Well, this is what I was going to say because it... If if he is up front, then to me I don't understand the logic. If he's meant to be, you know, kind of a roaming ten, then I think it's imperative that the three in midfield are able to give him the ball every available opportunity. I just felt mm-hmm. as though the midfield was non-existent for yeah. for the most part. I I really did, and you know, 
I'm, I'm not all that surprised to see him in that position, like I say, but just the rest of the selection, I'm not, I'm not surprised, but I was sort of looking at it from a stance of, if we get to halftime at 0-0, I'm looking at the bench and I'm thinking, you've got Ryan Fraser to come on, potentially make an impact, James Forrest to come on, potentially make an impact, Che Adams, Kevin Nisbet, you know, there's there's options for us off the bench if we can keep it tight. And I think that was ultimately the game plan, you know. Kinda I, I agree. Keep it nil-nil I... or sort of sneak a set piece and then take it from there at, at half-time, I, I don't know. I definitely agree with you. I 100% think that's the game plan, and I think that is cowardice from Clark. This was the game we needed to win. This is against an opposition who we have won multiple times against. The Czechs had never won at Hamden prior to today. Well, see, I didn't even know that, and that annoyed me even more. Six six defeats and a draw. A draw is the best they've ever managed. This is the thing. This team has done... We just drew... Last week, 10 days ago, against Holland, 2-0, where we should have won because we were playing free-flowing, counter-attacking football with two up top, we're 10 in behind, rotating round, trying to break the uh, And break not the a lines. care in the world. Exactly. Just going, no, we have good players, we have world-class players, we have multiple Champions League winners, Premier League champions, and individuals who are the best player at their respective Premier League clubs. There is no need for us to go into a game against the Czech Republic, who are an absolutely brilliant team. They're a very good team. Solid but, collective, but, aren't they? Yes. They're more than, they play more than the sum of their parts. But barring Suchek, and of course their keeper, who's doing very well in Spain, who had a very good game today, they, have no, they don't have the individual quality that we have. And Scotland can very rarely say that. <laughs> Very rarely can we say... We're normally viewed as the team that is a collective and go, yeah, individually they're not that great. However, when they come together, that's when it's we can do something. It's a big cohesive unit and whatever. Yeah. I mean, yeah. going through the Czech team, you, you touched on some of them there. So they obviously lined up with the boys. Is it Vlachlik in goal? Vlachlik? Yes. It's Vlachlik, I think. is how I've heard it pronounced by Spanish I, commentators. I'm not going to lie. I, I hadn't even heard of the geezer. To, to be totally honest, I, I know of the boy Vladimir Sufal at, at right back of, yeah. of West Ham. Um, Thomas Callas, I've heard of that centre half. He was partnered by Andre Selutska. Um, Jan Borrell at left back, hadn't mm. heard of. Alex Kral, and obviously the the guy that I really was fearing sort of last week, uh, Thomas Suchek, they were both in front of the back four. He had Lucas Masopust and Jakob Yankto providing the width. As Vladimir Derida, who again I've heard of, think think he's at Hertha Berlin. Yeah, he is, yeah. Uh, supported Patrick Schick up front, who obviously bagged a brace. So, like you say, I mean, a couple recognisable names, for, but for the most part, hadn't the foggiest. Like, I, I don't, I'm so angry with this fucking game. This but, is roles reversed, isn't it? I know. Because... We're about to get into the game, right? And I want to do that. I just want to say, as my kind of general thoughts before we get any more individual things, the result for me, I, it's not that I don't care. It's that it's by the by, right? Listen, we're Scotland. We have no divi- no team has any divine right to win a football game. Scotland definitely doesn't have a divine right to win a football game. Anybody doesn't matter who you are. We have played much worse teams and been beaten 
where you've played for better teams and been beaten. I didn't expect us, and obviously we don't know what will happen in the next two games, but I went into this tournament going, I don't think we're going to get the groups. So my anger isn't at the result. I can stomach a 2-0 loss, right? My anger is in the way it happened in terms of the lineup and the tactics. I, ju- I think it's inexcusable the way we lined up and the way we went into that game. It's funny how last week we were sort of harping on about how the performance doesn't matter, and yet here we are about to berate the performance. It matters it's, it's in It's coinciding with a terrible result. No, of yeah. course. I just, I don't, I don't know. I mean, this is nothing new because there were various sort of stats that were brought to my attention. Um, Scotland have lost their opening match in five of their last six appearances at a major tournament, failing to score in five of them after today like that's that's mad and that's unbelievable failing to score in five of the last seven euros matches uh, you know again it's it's one well one win at euro 92 and another at euro 96 so listen it's nothing new and to be honest it's new for us though no well well this is what i was going to say because we're delighted that we're there that that goes without saying but I I was sort of looking at it thinking I know that finishing in the top two is going to be tricky that's you know that goes without saying given England are in the group Croatia and and the Czechs who we've today learned are absolutely no mugs that's that's fine I, I was just looking at it thinking if we can finish third you know, there's a plethora. I think it's only two third place teams that miss out to advance yeah. into into the round of sixteen. So there's every chance that we can make it had we got the result today. And that's that's the big frustration. I mean, that first half just limited opportunities, did you not think? I mean, the only two that I can think of were when Andy Robertson was played through for his shot that mm-hmm. Ultimately, he should keep low. Yes. And the one where he crosses for, for Lyndon Dykes, who... Oh, I, God, I forgot about that. You you say two, and I was like, what's the other one? But yeah, that, that was I, one. I actually think that's a trickier chance than folk are making out. So do I. So do I. But I'd expect him to hit the target. If, if we're talking... This is the difference, because this is what I was about to get into. Their goal scorer is a £40 million man who ultimately has two chances and added to that, scores one of them and a worldie. Mm-hmm. And we've got a bloke that's just signed for QPR from Livingston up front. Yeah. That's that's the difference, if we're breaking it down. I don't know what Che Adams has got to do to start. This So this is it. It's like, see, see if you want to only play one of them, Steve. I disagree with that. But if you are only going to play one of them, you don't play Dykes. For me, right, Dykes is third choice. Are you going to say Nisbet over Dykes? Like, head and shoulders over Dykes. For me, personally. I can't can't disagree. I I just feel as though Dykes... Dykes is like like a kitchen sink option, isn't he? Yes. You know know when you often see centre-halves get chucked up front? Because you're that desperate to kind of have a target man in attack. A Craig Halkett special. Exactly. If we're if we're getting personal, of course. 
I feel as though Dykes would be if if you brought on Ryan Fraser, Lyndon Dykes, and James Forrest, that's a decent trio to kind of run at tired legs and get balls into the box for the big man and see what he can do. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, but he was just like his performance today was he was absolutely awful. Everything about him was terrible. His positioning was always off. He seemed to be around. He just seemed to be beside Christie at all times. So when one of them got the ball, there was no out ball because O'Donnell and Robertson either had played the ball to them, so there was no outlet, or it was like, well, no, you're meant to be the outlet. Is the amount of chances he missed, particularly in the second half, was unbelievable. The one where. The goal he saved it with his foot. I I don't understand how he misses it. Is that the one that breaks to the back stick? Yeah. It's a good save, right? It is a fantastic save. But Dyke shouldn't give him the option to save it. That should be 2-1. No, listen, it it is a big chance. But like you say, you know, numerous opportunities. And to be fair, it it wasn't just him. I mean, the the first half, like I say, there was the, the two chances that we did have. I feel as though Ryan Christie was trying to create something and Stephen O'Donnell gets in his way. Right, can we speak about O'Donnell? So Please, can I'm, we speak about I'm O'Donnell? I'm looking at that thinking, what chance have you really got? Can, right, listen. I'm sure Stephen O'Donnell is a lovely human being. Right? I've seen him on the terrace making the Empire Biscuits. <laughs> I was going to say right? exactly that. He's class. He seems funny. I'm sure he's lovely. I tweeted out during the game and it got picked up a wee bit. Stephen O'Donnell is having the performance... I fully expected Stephen O'Donnell to have. He was he was the worst player at this tournament so far. I'm saying it. I, no, like... Oh, my God. The minute, in like the third minute or something, where he had it at his feet and he backheeled it out of play, I was like, we're getting beat today. That, that is going to sum up our game. And then as you just said, yeah, Christie beats two guys at once perfectly. And like... He cuts inside, used... shifts it onto his left, and you're thinking something's going to emerge here. And then a thing that I've never even seen in an under-9s game happens, where your right wing-back is somehow just defending against his own teammate. <laughs> Can I just say, I, I actually think Stephen O'Donnell's not that bad, and he was somebody that I wanted I Hearts to sign on a pre-contract, but after that today, I'm delighted he's extended his deal at Motherwell. Lasted, let's, just, let's just say that. He lasted until the 81st minute. James Forrest came on and did a hundred times more in nine minutes than O'Donnell did all game. Well, that's what I was going to say as well. You know, it's funny you've touched on the subs there. Why are we still rocking a five at the back with about 75, 80 minutes on the clock? And why why does he bring on Kevin Nisbet and the likes of Forrest Fraser with sort of a quarter of an hour? What are they meant to do? Yeah, what are they meant to do there? A 2-0 down with 15 minutes to go at home. What is See, that? The... At least with Adams, it's ballsy in that, you know, it's half time, plenty of time to contribute. At that stage, we're only 1 0 down. You know, it seemed the obvious change. But the other lot, it's just, I don't get it. See, um, I think it was the 81st minute when Forrest came on. That starting 11 should have been the starting 11 that we actually started with. Like Nisbet, Forrest. Fucking Adams and stuff. It's like that's what we should have started with. We will get to one player that was on the park that should not have been on the park and should not play for the national team again, in my opinion. But I don't like him, right? We'll get to it. 
I know it's an unpopular opinion, but I'm not a fan of him. Um, I just, I cannot believe the team got better as we made subs. But at the same time, you can believe it because when that team came out at quarter one or whatever it was, everybody went, I think the bench would beat the first 11. <laughs> That's a bad sign, isn't it? Like, uh, we had, I can't believe that I wanted, I said it in the last week where we did our lineups, right? I wanted Gordon, Patterson, Gilmore, Turnbull, Tierney, obviously, all involved. The fact that, like, only one of them featured all game and one of them only got, like, nine minutes is just... It's unbelievable considering I think everybody wanted at least a couple of those players involved. Yeah, because I think there's sort of this this freshness, isn't it? This injection of kind of... I think the injection of kids has been long overdue and that we've mm-hmm. seen countless... Scotland players that seem to have just had their time but are just selected for selection's sake. I don't know. I I feel as though if we were taking all that time out with major tournaments anyway, surely you'd rather gamble with kids and try and build to a point where we are strong enough to qualify. I I mean, one hundred percent. Should we should we analyse the goals? <laughs> By all means. <laughs> What is Stephen O'Donnell doing? <laughs> Do you know that? I, I I don't know why he's over out out on that side, and I touched on Grant Hanley as well. I actually thought he was all right for the most part, but they just started doing one twos at one point. <sighs> See we the passing round the back. <laughs> yeah. Honestly. I, I, I said, because I watched it with my dad, I said, I've got PTSD of Christoph Berra trying to play out from the back here. Yeah. And it actually yeah. it actually scarred me. It got to the point where I was genuinely nervous and petrified that I was adamant that we'd end up, you know, cocking it up at the back and they'd go on and score. Can I just ask a question before we get into the goals, actually? Uh-huh. Has Grant Hanley this week been taught how to Cruyff turn? Because <laughs> he did it about ten times. I think that's just a, a plethora of... Well, it's like I said last week. You play with better players and you become a better player. So <laughs> all of a sudden arrived in the Scottish just, like, it's holy just, shit. Just become an absolute baller. Oh, God, he could have had that when he was at Newcastle circa 15-16. But no. <sighs> Sorry, I'm biased. No, it's, I, no, that's fine, mate. I mean, you, you sort of touched on it there. But what were you most unhappy with in the team? David Marshall, Stephen O'Donnell, Scott McTominay, Lyndon Dykes, Stuart Armstrong. See, Scott McTominay is an interesting one. I thought McTominay was awful. So did I. I. So bad. So did I. But I actually, I, I said it last week. I like his versatility, and I think, I actually think for Scotland, he's a better ball-playing centre half than he is a central midfielder. And I so said that I. last week. I said I like him at the back because I don't feel as though. Is similar to any... I mean, those three centre-halves that started today, Hendry, you could maybe argue, is a ball player, but the other two, no way. See, this is the thing. I think I disagreed with you last week when you said that. I think I went, no, I don't want him at the back. I, I'm, like, completely 180'd. Purely because I know that, for example, this past weekend, Pat Nevin 
which is quite a good source on Steve Clark, said that Clark doesn't want to play him at the back. He wants to play him in midfield. Well, what today proved was if you just put somebody on him, he cannot do anything. He cannot imprint himself in the game at all. So, I agree. I'd much rather have him at centre-half. But he's partly at fault for their first goal as well. It's him and O'Donnell. Uh, yeah, and I, do you know, I, I just don't feel as though he's that type of midfielder. I feel as though he's a traditional sitter that breaks up play and sort of gives it on to others but plays a supporting role. Yeah, You know, it, it's very much... <clears throat> he's very much at the base of kind of attacking moves, having won the ball back. You never see him on the end of anything or... I don't know. It just, I'd 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 like him starting attacks from the back, but in midfield, he, I don't feel as though he shows for the ball the same way that others do. Yeah, I I, to, I totally totally agree. Um, as you said, I don't know what O'Donnell's doing. Like, he just seems to be scared to go out to close down the ball, and it allows the check player just all the time in the world to put a ball in, and then. McTominay doesn't really rise. It's it's, it's a great header. Can I say? It's a listen. It's a fantastic header. It's an absolutely fantastic header. Controversially, I think Craig Gordon might save it. I knew you were going to say that. I was literally just about to ask you. Do you feel as though David Marshall can do any better? No, but I think Craig Gordon could. I don't think David what? Marshall could. I think Craig Gordon could though. We'll obviously never know. And I, I'm not taking away. It's a world-class header it's like everything that you're taught to do that he does it perfectly but I felt it was very very sloppy and it came at the worst possible time for us oh absolutely because like I touched on earlier with the whole sort of game plan getting to half time at nil nil would have just been ideal or or even having sneaked one off a set piece that that to me just seemed as though it was going to be the only way that we were going to score. And how can that be the case with the talent that we've got at our disposal? So I mean, it was just we just set up to do to play like that. It was awful. And then moving into the second half, we brought Adams on, and we just kind of seemed to shit ourselves. And Czech Republic nearly scored immediately from a chance, and then also from an ensuing corner as well. Yeah, and. I mean, you'd, you'd have thought that that change would have injected kind of a second lease of life. And obviously, being a goal down, you know, we've got to try and do the very best that we can to get back in the game. But that just didn't seem the case. It was it was simultaneously exactly as you just said. We're at the back. We seemed completely devoid of ideas and just panicking. I think it was in kind of halfway through the first half before we conceded, Robertson was seen just screaming to O'Donnell to calm down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. when it panned him or whatever. And and he was right. Exactly, because they all just seemed terrified barring Robertson. But then... Then the second goal happens, and there's so many questions you can ask. Can I just say, prior to that, you're on about Andy Robertson there. That, to me, is the sign of a top, top player isn't phased by the pressure. I feel for Robertson today because I actually thought that was the best performance that I've seen from Andy Robertson in a Scotland shirt in a long time. I'd I'd even argue 
since maybe Steve Clark's first game in charge against Cyprus when he scored that world day. Um, he was he was fantastic. He looked like Liverpool's Andy Roberts. He did. He, he really did. And you know, we were on about the, kind of the joy that we got from the left. Had had Kieran Tierney be playing, you felt as though that partnership would have got us into areas that ultimately we didn't really get into during the during the ninety. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Um, you saw it a wee bit more with just before the goal when Shea came on. He just added something totally different, and Robertson had a sticking point. And he played up to him and his hold-up play was so much better and he actually just looked like he could do something. And Robertson had just been crying out for that the whole first half. Well, that, that's a great point because I, I touched on the midfield being non-existent. Why why did Scotland continue to insist going long to Lyndon Dykes oh, when nothing stuck? How, I saw a start. How many times have we seen it as Hearts fans where you play it up? You know, it's either... A, it was either a Christoph Berra punt up the park any centre half really I don't know why I'm specifically picking out Berra but it just seemed clunkier when he did it and how many times would you just launch it long and nothing would happen in the in the final third and then you're thinking well surely we've got to vary it up at some stage but again it's just played long aimlessly and then when you try and actually find the centre forward there's no like cohesion. He doesn't hold it up. He doesn't look for others. He doesn't attempt to bring others into play. So then you're just wondering why are you continuing to insist hoofing it up the park for want of a better phrase? I saw a stat that up until the our game, I don't know if that changed in the Poland game or if it's currently changing in the Spanish game, but Lyndon Dykes won the most or went up for the most aerial duels of the tournament so far. No surprise, and is it? That just that just flies in the face of the way we've been playing up until this tournament. Dykes isn't really that, and he hasn't been that. Often, Dykes has been getting empty feet, holding it up, using his body, and then playing it off to one side. He's not been having to get massive long balls because he physically can't do it. That's not an insult to him, it's just not the way he plays. So, yeah, exactly. I don't understand why in the most important game of a generation we went, actually, fuck it. We're going back to the seventies and just going for a massive punt up for a centre half. It, it, honestly, it was baffling, and I don't know if that's because of that trio in midfield just not, not sort of looking to, yeah, just not looking to take possession. I, I, I don't know if it's, is it can't be stage fright surely because these, that midfield, that trio play week in week out in the Premier League you know Stuart Armstrong's been getting rave reviews at Southampton I've got to be honest I thought he was awful Scott McTominay you know last week we were on about how he continues to develop how you've even mentioned it in this pod how you know he was playing in a Europa League final and was ultimately United's best player that night Mm -hmm. again awful I'm I can't believe I'm saying this as a Hearts fan, but I've I've always been a massive fan of John McGinn. You know, mm-hmm. ever since I saw him break through at St Mirren, and he's obviously one of Aston Villa's best players. How can that trio appear so scared to to want the ball and drag us forward? John McGinn, I think there was an instance in the first half where he won a corner. Other than that, I couldn't even tell you he was playing. Yeah. It was, and I think that's kind of summed up with the second goal because it's out on the left-hand side 
We swing it in, it gets cleared out. And Jack Hendry picks it up. I I don't know if it's an element of he doesn't trust the midfield to do anything with it, going off what you just said, or if he's remembering the Dutch game where he scored that raker. But first of all, which is most importantly, before we get to the most obvious error here, but what on earth is Jack Hendry doing? Shooting from that position anyway. Again, I know that he might just be thinking about how he's Diamond Holland and his eyes lit up going, I could do it again on the biggest stage. But doing that generally when you're a centre-half, but doing that when you don't have basically any cover alongside you? Honestly, mate, it just it reeks of desperation to me. It's just so needless. It's as though he sort of believed his own hype, like you say, with that Dutch goal. I don't know who on earth he thinks he is. That It's crazy. That goal was his first for Scotland, and prior to this spell at, at Ostend, you know, he'd have been mental to suggest that Jack Hendry was worthy of a Scotland call-up. Because he couldn't get in one of the worst Celtic teams that we've seen. Yeah, he's just... His decision was bad. Then... Well, this is what I was going to say. Let, let's just Let's just cut to the chase. Who's more at fault? Is it Jack Hendry or is it David Marshall for his positioning? It's, it's David Marshall because what is a goalkeeper doing at the halfway line? Like in any situation, I don't care where you are. See, even in the 90th minute when you're chasing, when you're trying to get an equaliser, then I can understand it because it's like, well, the goalkeeper's going to take it to the halfway line and punt it up. See, when you're 1-0 down in the 50th minute, your keeper should barely be out of his own box Never mind up to the halfway line. And what is so scary about it, I don't know if you saw this, Andy Robertson's post-match interview, he said Marshall can't be blamed for that because he's been told to be in that position for cover. That is fucking terrifying. That our tactic is have our keeper up as the last line of defence on uh, on the halfway line instead of allowing a centre-half to drop in for cover. Does that mean that Steve Clark's expecting Marsh to go and make a challenge? If he's the last line of defence and that he's the cover, is it genuinely an expectation that when that boy looks up, Marsh is meant to charge in and try and get the ball back off him? What is this? <laughs> it's as though he's like the second coming of Manuel Neuer, isn't it? Exactly! I, mean, I, I, I don't get it personally because at least... Again, it sort of reverts back to the play style. If, if we're punting it up long aimlessly, then surely you'd just let the keeper do that from from his own box rather than sort of acting as like this, this sweeper keeper as such. It just... It's beyond a sweeper keeper though because like Neuer and Ederson are sweeper keepers. That was a centre mid. <laughs> that was a cover. He was just about the centre circle, wasn't he? I just... And again, we're going to get called biased. Craig Gordon would not do that. Neither would John McLaughlin. Neither, to, take, to take away the, the... Well, I mean, his ex-hearts, but it takes away the bias somewhat. David Marshall is our third best goalkeeper in the squad. And it is another example, like O'Donnell, like Dykes and Christie as a two, and stuff like that. Unbelievably, Carl McGregor didn't start. I couldn't believe that. But I, I was actually pleased with that. Same, gen- same, definitely. <laughs> Just given but, how jaded he's looked recently. 
But the loyalty to Marshall has absolutely cost us that game. I know that Marshall isn't to blame for the way we were playing, but I think he could have done better at both goals. One, arguably, as I said, it was kind of more that I think if a different goalkeeper was in. But he is 100% to blame for that second goal. I know many people are saying it's a freak goal and it wouldn't happen. I would accept that if the boy is shot when Marshall's in his own box and he's got his feet wrong and it's just somehow went in and you go, listen, that's a moment of madness for Marshall. He's fucked up a wee bit there. But two points against that. One, Marshall is on the halfway line. He has made that cognitive choice or he's been told to do that. But secondly, in post-match, the guy said... He saw Marshall was so eager to come off his line during the first half, so he was just waiting for him to do it. No, I, 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 I couldn't believe that when I heard it as well, the the whole sort of planning at first half. I just think... It, it's just it's just nuts. I he was always going to play, though, wasn't he? Because, let's be frank, had, had Steve Clark not opted to select David Marshall after the penalty save for the ultimately the game you know the first game that the tournament that he's arguably dragged us to he'd have been berated and slated left right and center but that's his job like so what i know i know what you mean well put it this way look at even the stuff with kind of the yes or i can boogie andy considine must be sat in yeah. the country just you know fuming that this whole back of a campaign has started from obviously that video and everything emerging to then being totally bombed that's the thing yeah exactly so clearly he isn't above dropping people who need to what he is is very stubborn and will stick by the players that he trusts even though it's making us physically worse i you're not telling me if craig god was in goals that we would have had a worse result than that I, I, what i will say from marshall is i thought he made a couple decent saves still yeah, but saves that I would expect any goalkeeper to make. And, I mean, we, we, not just we've talked about it, but the majority of folk, or the majority of Scotland fans have said that midfield's probably the strongest aspect and that we've got three decent keepers to rely upon. So, yeah. really, yeah, I, I get that. It shouldn't matter. But, listen, before we kind of round up and what have you, obviously, the next match is, is the big one. England at Wembley on Friday. What changes would you like to see being made to to the team? I mean, I'm assuming you're going to stick with this three five two, or are you just going to switch things up? Yeah, I'll, I'll stick with that. My lineup would be Gordon and goals, Robertson, Patterson as left and right wing back. I don't think Tierney will play, so I'm not going to. Obviously, I'd rather have Tierney, but I'd play. Um, Cooper, I don't know what he'd do with this fucking... Hanley in the middle, no? Sure. Cooper, <laughs> Hanley, McTominay. Like it, okay. A midfield three of McGinn, Gilmore and Turnbull. Like that, yeah, uh-huh. And then Nisbet and Adams as a two. Can't disagree with that, mate. I, I, like, I like the sound of that. Because now, fuck it. That's it. The tournament's done now. The tournament's done. 
We're not doing anything in these other two games. You don't think we uh, could get something off Croatia given how poor they were, no? Maybe, but I still think... I think we're going to... I think there's a genuinely real possibility we could go through this tournament without scoring. That's that's the big fear, isn't it? And th- th- here's a genuine question for you. Go on. I said this earlier on Twitter and I got some interesting f- feedback. See if we end up getting to this tournament not scoring any goals, finishing bottom of the group, three losses, and playing like we did today. I'd rather we didn't qualify. Because all this is doing is ruining the Euros for me. (laughs) Because as you said at the start, what I like about the Euros is that I've never had a dog in the fight. I can view it completely from a neutral perspective and just get to pick... The team I like, as I said, usually Germany. But with this, it's I'm like, I don't want to watch the rest of this because I'm just thinking, we had a chance to do something here and we bottled it. And see even, genuinely, right? See even if we get a point against Croatia or if we win against Croatia, it's like, right, at least we've done something here. We've turned up and done something. But if we just, even if we score but get three losses... I'd have, I'd, this is my entire personal opinion I'd, I'd have, what was the point in qualifying see I I, I get where you're coming from but I, I do somewhat disagree I mean this <laughs> you saying that that's got like Aloe Athletic and Brora Rangers vibes doesn't it <laughs> how do you mean <laughs> and that, well we're looking at it thinking oh, what could have been had we actually got our fingers out our arse you know like looking at it thinking we could have done so much more we could have actually enjoyed this tournament like hearts progressing in the cups rather than being mm-hmm. knocked out by some part time jobbers and non-league fe- opposition that's how I'm going to feel going into the knockout rounds of this tournament <laughs> however I just feel as though it's imperative that we had to get the monkey off our back at some stage I, I, I still believe that just us getting here was massive. I mean, you need only look at sort of. I'd, I'd, I'd even argue Scottish society today. You know, everybody was excited for it. There was no real negativity prior to the team being announced. I just feel with COVID and lockdown, and everybody could have done with that morale boost that Scotland ultimately did give us. I get that. I I mean it more in like a vacuum. Just like what it means for the football team. Because I definitely agree, yes. In November when it happened, it was amazing and it's given us all something to look forward to. Definitely. But I'll be honest, I'm not going to remember that. I'm going to remember how we did. And if we end up getting three losses and roundly embarrassed, I'm just going to be like, well, I didn't need to go through this. No. I've never had to go through this. I've just I've just got to enjoy Miroslav Klose breaking records for stuff, going, I'm not even German, but I'm just for that. Like and seeing England getting beat. Like that's all that's the two enjoyments I, I, that I have with national tournaments. <laughs> I get what you mean. We're sort of wanting to we're wanting to give a good account of ourselves, aren't we? And yeah, if, I hate if, that if, attitude. If, if we fail to do that, it's like it's just very underwhelming. I just don't like the attitude of Oh, we're here, so that's an achievement. Like, no, let's do something. It is, it is, but it's not. I'm with you in that that should be a bare minimum. You know, Scotland, 
Scotland is a footballing country. Granted, yeah. not a great footballing country, <laughs> but it is a footballing country. I mean, it- yeah. Sorry, I realise I, I need to rephrase that. Of course, it's an achievement getting here, but I just don't want that to be the it. minimum. No, of yeah. course, yeah. I, I, yeah, I, I, like I, I, I want I to that. go because especially when you look at the quality we have, like we have a good team. If you play everybody, did I say Gilmore? By the way, Matt. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I did. I panicked <laughs> thinking I've just been going, we should be starting Billy Gilmore all podcast, and I didn't start him. But yes. I, I, I am fairly certain you said that. <laughs> we can rewind that back. Well, if, regardless, McGinn, Gilmore, and Turnbull as a three. <laughs> yeah, you said that. that right, there's your trio sorry. right there, folks, if you didn't. Exactly. Are you similar? Would you make any changes to that? What do you think? I, I, I like that. Again, I feel it's dropping those that need to be dropped. Um, Stephen O'Donnell, definite drop. He'll stick with Marshall, despite the fact that we've both wanted Gordon. He will, because to save face. Because if he drops Marshall... As like a justification as to why he's chosen him in the first place, isn't it? Yeah, if he drops Marshall, that's him admitting, I fucked up, and I don't know if David Marshall can come back from that. I'm happy if he doesn't come back from that, to be clear. But I... Because again, it's Steve Clark's loyalty, which can, of course, loyalty can be commended, especially in football, where it's a very fickle Definitely. industry. But not There's in knockout line. football, yeah. when you, you, are, you are playing worse players in positions just because you know them. Yeah, no, I'd, yeah, I'd, I'd like to see Gordon and Goal, Patterson right wing back. Again, I, I said I was a fan of Scott McTominay at the back, so I'm going to go with that. I really like Liam Cooper. And and again, I, I, he is no mug. Um, I, I've I've been wanting him to start at, at centre half for Scotland for a wee while. Grant Hanley again, you could sort of you can pin blame on the first goal somewhat, but it's certainly it no, other people you can pin blame more on. No, of course, and I was going to say Hendry's more at fault for the second than Hanley is for the first. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, Robertson left wing back because I mean, why wouldn't I play Andy Robertson? That leaves then McGinn as a starter in midfield, but again, I, I just feel as though he is the poster boy for the Scotland team, to be honest, yeah. for me. Um, so I, I would like a little bit more. Perhaps that will you know, come from two new boys in midfield with Turnbull and Gilmore, like you say. I get the impression he might bring Callum McGregor back in. I just feel with, with the experience Same. that McGregor brings for that England game, Despite the fact that it probably makes more sense to play Gilmore just because he's had that yeah. Premier League, you know, exposure. Um, and then Adams in this bit up front. I, I, I'd like to see, yeah. Because then again, like I say earlier, Forrest, Fraser, Dykes available to come on. Another couple midfielders. There's there's options there, but we'll wait and see, mate. I, I, Absolutely. I, I, I'm intrigued to see what he goes for. Can I get a score prediction out of you? Oh, you can. Is me being? I want to be as optimistic as I can. Of course I do. Does my optimism fall with merely predicting that Scotland will score in and amongst a battering? Three-one England. Christ, that's conservative. It is, but I'm trying to, I'm trying to put a positive spin on things. I know it's tough, but I've said this from before the tournament started. And if anything, I think this now might be conservative after the way we played. Genuinely, I think we're going to get beat 5-0. I think we're going to get 
absolutely scudded. Do, do you not even think that... Do you not think they're a tad overrated, though? I think they're massively overrated at the back, especially. I'll tell you why they won't scud us. Because Gareth Southgate falls under the Steve Clark. What what's the word I'm trying to look for here? Mold. And that he's too much of a shite bag. Not a shite. I get that. Steve Clark's not a shite bag as such, but he's very defensive. Conservative. Yeah, and I I look at that England team. I mean, they, there's their opening game. They're at Wembley against the toughest team in the group. I mean, fair play for going that little bit more conservative, but you know, Wembley! Like, Jack Grealish on the bench, Jaden Sancho not involved. I do what I say. What that is five that? Nil, that 5 0 doesn't come from me thinking England are good. That 5 no, 0 comes just from. us trying to execute a game plan and getting it wrong. Yeah, and I don't think Clark will make the changes I want him to, and I think it'll just be. It, he will sit in like fuck to just try and get a draw because you'll be thinking if I can nick a point here and then beat Croatia that puts us in a really which, good position which you can't blame him for thinking of course not of course not I'm not I genuinely do understand that yeah, but yeah. I just don't think that'll work and I think we're going to get absolutely battered I, I, I don't know man I, I, I just look at their attacking elements and think you know I, I'm a big fan of Calvin Phillips's I've got to be honest I I've got mm-hmm. a wee soft spot for Leeds, so that's probably where my Cooper Same. adoration comes from as well. But, you know, Calvin Phillips, if if he's playing Rice and Henderson alongside, you know, Jack Grealish must be raging. Yeah. You know, I Mason like Mount, really... Phil Foden, there's a plethora of talent that England have got. I actually thought Harry Kane was uncharacteristically quiet as well. So you know for a fact yeah. he's saving at least a couple for Friday night. I, I don't think England will do anything at this tournament. But I think they will batter us. That's, that's getting clipped for when they go on and win it. Yeah, I know exactly. I know exactly. Um, but yeah, so a decidedly more down podcast than the previous episode. But as ever, massive, massive thank you uh, for listening. I just want to say big shout out to everybody who listened to last episode I know that a lot of our kind of traditional listeners may not be interested in, in the international team but there was a sizable amount of you who came along for the ride and we really appreciate it please 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 keep with it by the looks of it we're probably only going to have a couple of episodes left and then we're back to regular hearts based content but Hooray. Yeah, yes, come on! <laughs> Robbie Nielsen's been in the White Army! Yes! Oh, Jesus. <laughs> However, we are at Perth to Paisley on all forms of social media. If you want to, you can listen to this podcast on YouTube. However, we can get us on all normal and reliable podcast platforms. Please leave us a review on your podcast platform of choice. Massively, massively helps us. Adam, where can they get you individually on social media? They can get me individually on social media to do. Discover all my rants uh, at Adam T. Kendall and yourself, mate. I am at McIver 22 We will be back to dissect the England game. We don't actually know when we're going to be releasing the next episode because obviously there's a couple in between, but we will most likely see you all same time to dissect the inevitable battering by England and preview our final group game against Croatia. But we will see you all next time. Come on, Scotland! <laughs> <laughs>